0: I invite you to take your copies of the scripture with me this morning and open to the book of Exodus chapter 31. It's good to know that we can come to Jesus. He will never cast us out. You've gotten settled in. Would you stand with me as I read Exodus 31, verse 11, verses? Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the, whole, with the Spirit of God, with ability, with intelligence, with knowledge, and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahismach of the tribe of Dan. And I have given to all able men ability, that they may make all that I have commanded you. The tent of meeting, and the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils, and the pure lampstand with, with all its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the basin and its stand, and the finely worked garments, the holy garments for Aaron, the priests, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests, and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place. According to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May be seated. There are parts of that model prayer that we just prayed together, what we know as the Lord's Prayer, but what the Lord used to instruct his disciples on how to pray. And if you think about that for a moment, the Lord taught His disciples to pray, and that was a prayer that you could say in 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Are there parts of this model prayer that are common in our own prayers? We might be quick to remember to ask for bread and to thank the Lord for the bread that He has given to us. Perhaps also we are often knowing of the forgiveness we need before the Lord and are quick to ask the Lord to deliver us from evil. How frequently, though, do we ask for the Lord's will to be done? God, my desire is that what you want to happen would happen in this world and even more personally in my life. It can be a struggle because our sinful flesh wants its own way. Maybe we are not quick to plead with the Lord for His will to be done because we want our own will to be done. I have a perfect plan for my life. I know how things should go. I know how I want things to go. And often... Our joy and our happiness hinge upon us getting our own way. If my will is done, then I'm good. I'm happy. I feel great. But if my will is not done, watch out. I'm upset. I'm depressed. I'm bitter. I might throw a pity party for myself or I might even lash out in anger. Are we willing and are you willing to lay your will down? Lay what you want down and give yourself to the Lord's will. God, I want what you want, and I am willing to sacrifice and kill my own will if it does not follow your will. It's not easy. In fact, our world plays on our will. Our culture and the marketeers know we want it our way. So they will go to great lengths to get our allegiance and to get our money And they know that if they can just promise that we can have it our way, that they will be successful. In fact, in 1974, Burger King used that very slogan to compete against their fiercest competitor, McDonald's. And here is what the ad campaign said. Have it your way. You have the right to have what you want exactly when you want it. Because on the menu of life, you are today's special. And tomorrow's, and the day after that, and well, you get the drift. Yes, that's right. We may be the king, but you, my friend, are the almighty ruler. That's a fast food restaurant. (laughs) What audacity did it take for a national burger chain to say something like that, to say something even so blasphemous. I believe it took very little audacity because that is exactly what people believed. Burger King just put it into writing. Burger King was not changing the way people thought. They were merely expressing what people already thought. A thought that has been lodged in the heart of sinful man since the Garden of Eden. The problem, however, is that such boastful and prideful thought does not stay confined to what you want on your hamburger. Our culture is running at lightning speed to ensure that everyone can have it their way in whatever sphere of life that they're living It could be easy for us to sit here today and to pick off people who are intent on having it their way and ignore the way in which we want it our way. So, are there realms in your life in which you want it your way? Are there areas in which you would say in your heart, my will be done? One of the ways, or one of the realms that the Lord deals with directly is worship. You were created and you exist to worship, yet how often do we elevate worship according to our own will? Is it what I want? Did it satisfy me? Did it give me what I need? Did I like it? Was worship meaningful to me today? My friend, worship is not about you. Worship is about God. Have you ever prayed like this? Lord, let your will be done in our worship of you today. As we come together as the body of Christ, our Lord, isn't this the place of all places where you would think that you would see the Lord's will be done? When we gather together, this is the place the Lord has designed to be an outpost of the kingdom of God, an embassy of his kingdom. This is where the Lord has so designed that you would be the closest to heaven. If you want a taste of what heaven is like, come to church. And I pray regularly that when we come together to worship, we would get a taste of heaven. But then think back for a moment on what we are to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is the certainty that the Lord will always accomplish His will in heaven. You never have to question it. So, if this place and our gathering together is to be a glimpse of heaven, what disservice do we do to the Lord when it is all about our will rather than about His will? God is the one who created and designed worship. Let me say that again. God is the one who created and designed worship. Worship is not man's invention. It's God's. He made it. He is sovereign over it, and it is all for his glory. In Exodus, the Lord has been instructing Moses on the particulars of the Israelites' worship of him. He has been orchestrating all of the details of what is supposed to be made so that he might be upheld as holy and righteous among the people. He has been saying... This is my will for how I am to be worshipped. While all of the various aspects of this worship are covered in details, now we come to the actual construction of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting for the Israelites in the wilderness. The Lord now needs workers to complete the construction of the of the tabernacle. He required workers who would do the Lord's work in the Lord's way so the Lord might be worshipped according to His will. And if this is the Lord's concern, it must be our concern as well. How do we know if the Lord's work is being done in the Lord's way so that the Lord is worshipped according to His will? And in that, we are expressing God is sovereign over our worship. Instead of trying to wrestle our worship of Him away from Him. So how do we know if the Lord's work is being done in the Lord's way? Three truths that emanate from this text for us this morning. You can follow along in your bulletin if that is helpful. Number one, the Lord initiates the work to establish worship the Lord initiates the work to establish worship. The primary action and so the primary work of our text this morning revolves around what the Lord does. The prominent verbs are communicating to us actions taken by Yahweh himself and what a good reminder for us We don't initiate the work. We're not the instigators of God's work. He starts it. We are not the ones who need to energize God's work. Not only does he begin it, he keeps it going. And there are three main verbs that tell us how the Lord initiates his work. So look at verse 2. I have called by name Bezalel. Bezalel is a name that means in the shadow of God. So this is one who was going to construct the tabernacle, one who is going to be protected by God. That's what this name means, in the shadow of God. It means that he will be protected by God. But think about what he is doing. He is erecting the tabernacle in which all of the people then would also Be in the shadow of God and would be protected by God in their worship of Him. And look at this again. I have called by name Bezalel. Bezalel didn't go looking for God, Bezalel wasn't in need of work. He didn't drop off his resume at the base of Mount Sinai. No, it was the Lord who called him. There was a calling upon Bezalel's life. What kind of calling was this? It is a divine calling. It's not the calling of man, but the calling of God. It's a calling that comes with power and authority and effectualness. When God calls you, you can't resist it. And truth be told, when God calls you, you don't want to resist it. It is an effectual calling. When God calls in this way, what He desires happen. And I think there might need to be a little bit of corrective here, perhaps, in our mind. Because maybe we've heard it said sometimes that the Lord called me and He drew me to Himself and He drew me as I was kicking and dragging and screaming. I don't believe that's the way that God calls people to himself. When God calls people to himself, he opens their eyes so they behold his beauty and his glory, and so then they desire God and they want God. Why does Jesus say, come to me? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will save you, because you see Jesus as beautiful. Because you want him. Because you are drawn to him. If someone is ugly and reprehensible, you don't want to be with them. You don't want to be in their presence. But when God opens your eyes, when you see how awesome Christ is, and I don't use that in the slang way that we use it, like, oh, like that meal was really awesome. I mean, we stand in awe of Jesus. You desire him above all else. He doesn't bring you dragging and kicking and screaming. You run to Him. He embraces you in His arms. He forgives you and He loves you. And your desire is fulfilled. It's satisfied. You come to the King of glory in complete faith and trust. And let's not skip over this Bezalel didn't say no thanks God he could have said I'm not worthy for this work I'm not strong enough to do this work Bezalel could have thought up all of the best arguments as to why he shouldn't do the work but who was calling him it was the Lord didn't the Lord know all of that The Lord knew Bezalel's inadequacies. The Lord knew Bezalel's shortcomings. The Lord knew Bezalel's sin. But the Lord said, Bezalel, I have called and chosen you. You are the man for the job. Fulfill the work that I have called you to do. God called him because he was chosen by God. God was sovereignly fulfilling his purposes in and through the life of Bezalel. And while this calling is divine and from God, let us not skip over the personal nature of this calling. It was by name. It wasn't a general calling going out to everyone everywhere. It is a specific, personal, intentional call. Bezalel, I know you, I see you, I'm calling you. And what privilege was given to Bezalel? It's the same privilege given to the Christian by Christ Jesus. Look at John chapter 10 for a moment. John chapter 10. John 10, verses 2 and 4. Well, a certain one. John 10, 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own. He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Do you hear what the good shepherd does? He calls his name by, he calls a sheep by name. He leads them out. He goes before them and they follow him because they know his voice. There is comfort in the calling of the good shepherd. Is there comfort for you this morning In that? If you are a Christian, Jesus Christ has called you by name. He says, I know you, I see you, you are mine. And you hear his voice and you say, yes, Lord, I will follow. There's another verb, however, though, that's used. The next verb used by the Lord is this verb filled. Not only was Bezalel called, but he was also filled by the Spirit of God. It should stick out to us if we're to read the Bible sequentially. That means in sequence, in order. Do we do that anymore? Read the Bible from beginning to end? There's a good reason too. Let me encourage you. If you've never read the Bible from beginning to end, do that. And there's a reason for As we come to these verses... This term, in specific, in specific, "spirit of God," has only been used two times. The very first time was in Genesis one two. There, the spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. And we also have then later on in Genesis forty one thirty eight, Pharaoh say this about Joseph: "Can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God?" And then Pharaoh goes on to say, there is no one as discerning and as wise as Joseph, all because Joseph had provided a plan to preserve the people through seven years of famine that was about to come upon Egypt. So, so far in God's word, we have the Spirit of God at creation. We have the Spirit of God in devising this plan to preserve and to save people. And now we have the Spirit of God filling Bezalel. And this is the first time that we ever hear of the Spirit filling somebody? Filling means that he would be under control of the Spirit. The Spirit would dominate his life. There was to be a supernatural enablement to do what God wanted to be done. So he fit Bezalel to accomplish a task for the well-being of his people, namely to establish worship for their well-being, for the reason of their very existence. Think about that, What, what God is enabling Bezalel to do. He's enabling him to construct the tabernacle according to God's designs, giving him all that he needs, all of the ability from the Spirit so that the people can fulfill that which they were created for, for their own existence, Then we come to the last verb, gave. The Lord gave Bezalel, a helper in a holy ab. He also gave wisdom to all the, this is literally what it says, to all the wise-hearted men of the people to help in the construction. In the Lord's giving in this way, we see his generosity. He initiates the work. He is gathering this uh, cohort of people to do the work. And he says they are wise-hearted people. Uh, So you see that there at the end of verse 6. And I have given to all the able men ability. So that's all of the wise-hearted men. I have given them ability or wisdom. And I think that's important because what the Lord is doing is he is contrasting the heart of these men. He says these men are wise-hearted men. Think about Exodus for a moment. Who others' heart have we got insight into? Pharaoh. and What do we know about his heart? It was hard. Pharaoh hardened his heart. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Here the Lord is contrasting. He is saying these men are not like Pharaoh. Pharaoh hardened his heart. He had a hard heart. These men have a soft heart, a wise heart. These men have hearts that Fear the Lord. And I'm giving you these men, Bezalel. I'm giving you a ab as an assistant for the work. Here are these men's hearts who are willing to give glory to God. Hearts that are submissive to Him in every way. And you can think as these men begin to construct the temple, as they seek to follow the de- designs that God has laid down, yet with all of the supernatural ability that God gives through Bezalel, that they would be praying, Lord, your will be done. Number two, the Lord is imitated by the workers to enable worship. The Lord is imitated by the workers to enable worship. The Lord is imitated by the workers to to enable worship. God has so built in and designed the pinnacle of creation, mankind, to be imitators. There are many people who would want to be different, who would want to be original, who prize individuality and uniqueness. The world would tell us that such a view makes us strong but it's actually the opposite individuality and independence and complete uniqueness isolates us and makes us weaker now there is some sense of uniqueness in each one's personality but there is another side where each of us is to be an imitator and it's built into the very fabric of our being sons want to be like their fathers Daughters want to be like their mothers. Children look up to others who are their heroes because they want to be like them. The people who you hang around, you become like them. There are some who have hung around with people who have a strong accent. You know what happens? They begin to pick up that accent. I've seen it happen in the South. God knows this. He says in his word, bad company corrupts good morals. You hang around people who are bad company, guess what? You're going to imitate them, you're going to mimic them. Ultimately, this imitation is built into us because we are to imitate God. We cannot imitate him in every way, but in certain ways we can. The Lord says, you are to be holy, for I am holy. You are to love one another because God is love. Now, Yahweh calls Bezalel and filled him with the Spirit so that he would imitate him, and specifically, he would imitate him in the work of creation. Look at verse 3 and see what the Spirit gives to Bezalel. So, Here is how I read verse 3. I have filled him with the Spirit of God. And then, colon, this idea, he's filled with the Spirit of God, and so what are the specifics that the Spirit is giving him? So here are the specifics. The Spirit is giving him ability or wisdom. This is the word for wisdom. This is the skill necessary to produce something of value for God. The Spirit also gives Intelligence, or another word is understanding. This is the ability to distinguish between things, to know what pleases the Lord and what doesn't, to perceive the best way and to follow it. So he's given him ability or wisdom, intelligence or understanding, and then the next thing, he has given him knowledge. This is the experiential awareness of how things are done. And finally, the Spirit gives unto him all craftsmanship. Who is the consummate craftsman? It is God himself. And has he not set on display his craftsmanship through creation? In fact, look at Genesis 2. Genesis 2.3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So take that phrase, all his work. It's the same words that are used here for Bezalel. All his work, all his craftsmanship. Look at all of God's craftsmanship that he has done in creation. And now look with me for a moment at Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3, verses 19 and 20. Proverbs 3, 19 and 20. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. Same word as ability back in Exodus 31. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth by understanding. Same word as intelligence there in Exodus 31. He established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. So there, those three words that are used and given to Bezalel are used of God in his work of creation. Both in Genesis 2-3 and in Proverbs 3, 19-20. So what are we being told? By being filled with the Spirit, Bezalel is filled with the same cognitive abilities the Lord used when he created the cosmos. Talk about renewing one's mind. What mind was the Spirit of God giving to Bezalel that he was able to do this? Now, Bezalel is not creating ex-nilo. He's not creating out of nothing like God did. Yet do you see how God has called Bezalel and endowed Bezalel with the spirit. So he says, now you can imitate me as you create this tabernacle. Because what was Bezalel doing? Bezalel was constructing a microcosm of the cosmos. Bezalel and his helpers were basically building a replica and a model of the world. This is the thought that's both in the tabernacle and in the The temple. Why? Because the cosmos and the world is where God would culminate all of human history by one day dwelling with man. And what was the tabernacle? And what was the temple? The place where God would dwell with man. A picture for that future fulfillment. When God will dwell with us again in a new heavens and a new earth. Behold, the dwelling place with God is with man. That is what the tabernacle and the temple represented. Bezalel is given the ability to imitate God in turn, which would bring about the enablement of the people to worship God. His imitation of God meant God would dwell with his people and the people would have, in God, would have God in their midst. a place where God's people could fellowship with God, know God, and commune with God. But think about this. Bezalel was filled with the Spirit of God to do this amazing work of creation. And even Bezalel is not the final fulfillment. It points to another one. So take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. I'll start in verse 1 again. Isaiah 11, 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the Messiah. We're talking about Jesus. Look at verse 2. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. What is the Spirit? The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Hmm, very interesting. It sounds like the spirit that filled Bezalel is the same spirit who is going to fill the Messiah. And what is the Messiah going to do? Ah, it's going to be a work of creation, but not just any creation, a new creation. Creation where he takes dead people and makes them alive. A creation where he shows his love for his people by dying on a cross and rising again from the dead to save them and forgive them of their sins. Here is the Messiah who inaugurates a new creation. That's why when Jesus is baptized, what happens? The Spirit of God descends and rests upon him because here is the Messiah upon whom the Spirit of God rests in whom is wisdom and understanding and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And what does Jesus do? Jesus builds his church. He now is the cornerstone for a new temple. Look with me at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Verses 19 and 20, 21 and 22. Ephesians 2. By the Spirit. So now the Spirit has come and rested on the Messiah. But what happens now to all of those who put their faith and trust in this Messiah? They are indwelt by the Spirit. And we are being built into this holy temple. Where the Spirit of God dwells in us and among us and in our midst. With Jesus Christ being our cornerstone. And what are we doing? We want to do the Lord's work in the Lord's way. As a, as those who are under the shadow of God in union with Jesus Christ, using our gifts to grow up into Him who is our head, and to become more and more like Him. We are being conformed into the image and likeness of of Jesus Christ by the Spirit, we are called to be like Jesus. When was the last time you prayed that? When was the last time you prayed, God, make me like Jesus? More today than the day before. It should be a constant prayer. Finally, number three, the Lord affirms the workers will be equipped to obey. The Lord affirms the workers will be equipped to obey. Back in Exodus 31, this is the very last verse of our text from this morning. Verse 11: According to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. Yahweh gives Moses a promise. The way that this is worded, it's not subjective. It's not Yahweh saying, oh please, oh please, oh please, I hope, I hope, I hope, this might happen, they might obey me, I want them to obey me, it's my desire that they obey me. No, Yahweh is saying, according to everything that I have said, they will do it. This is the promise. You don't have to question, you don't have to wonder, it is certain They will fulfill the work that I have given them to do. They will glorify me. God is not wringing his hands wondering if Bezalel will follow through. Do you ever wrestle or struggle with obedience? Is it ever a struggle in your life? Will I obey? Am I obeying? Am I failing to obey? Do you know who doesn't struggle with obedience? Unbelievers. They don't struggle with obedience. Now, they might feel bad about things that they have done or not done. Obedience is done before the Lord. Believers, believers wrestle with obedience because we are those who are acutely aware that our obedience is not perfect yet. We do not obey the Lord how we should all the time. Lord willing, we're growing in that we want to obey Him more and more. Only by His grace can we ever say that we are growing in that, but sometimes it feels like one step forward, ten steps back. Lord, why am I not obeying You more? Why am I not obeying You better? Believers wrestle with this, and as we wrestle with this, what do we need to do? We need to go back to the Spirit of God. Galatians 3.3 3, Says this, are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? What is Paul saying? Paul's saying, it's the Spirit of God that's brought regeneration and renewal and salvation into your life. Are you so foolish to think that it took a supernatural work to save you that it's not going to take the same supernatural work to cleanse you and sanctify you and make it possible for you to obey? The only reason that Believer, you and I are able to obey is because a supernatural work is being done in us. Obedience does not happen through the flesh. Obedience happens because the Word of, or the Spirit of God, and the Word of God being used by the Spirit, is working in us. This is what Romans 6 says. Romans 6. Verses 12 through 13. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, not under law, but under grace. How is it that we are able to obey? Because we have been given the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's not our own righteousness. It's not our own goodness. Why? We don't have any of that. It's Christ's righteousness that we depend upon to obey. would we ever deny, downplay, or deride what we have been given so that we can obey the Lord? We are those who want to do the Lord's work in the Lord's way, and Francis Schaeffer said this in diagnosing the church in the 20th century. The real problem is this, he says, The church of the Lord Jesus Christ individually or corporately tending to do the Lord's work in the power of the flesh rather than of the spirit. The central problem is always in the midst of the people of God, not in the circumstances surrounding them. Let us not think that we can do the Lord's work in the Lord's way according to the power of the flesh it can't happen it won't happen but let us see it's only by the spirit of God that the Lord's work will be done in the Lord's way and it will be most miraculous and supernatural Because it will be a power that this world does not and cannot know. If you've been wrestling this week with your obedience, now is a good time to obey.